Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain with Wire football podcast edition. Check us out, as always, mwwire.com. Jeremy Moss here going Solo this evening, Matt Cornelli had some other things uh, going on, so you get um, you get me for the next uh, probably 30-ish minutes. I'm not going to make this super long because I just recorded a lengthy 75-minute podcast with our buddy Eli Petker talking hoops because, you know, hey, if you those who haven't noticed, basketball starts on Tuesday, big game, number seven Nevada hosting at BYU, which listen to how I feel about that game because eh, it might be uh, trickier than some think. All right, so let's get to football here. Great week of the games. I appreciate and so does everybody on the site for checking out all of our work because we had a, another near record day. Check out the site, so it's awesome. Um, we're not going to jump into much of the – maybe at the end I'll talk a little playoff preview ranking type deal because a bunch of teams lost in the polls and we got the new ones out. But let's just get right down to it. Um, we'll start the game order, I guess. We'll start with uh, Air Force and Army. I was on duty to recap this game, chatting about what happened. This game was uh, the most – Army Air Force game ever for at least a first drive. Watching this game, like, okay, we know what to expect. Oh, by the way, Air Force lost 17-14. Not going to retain the Commander Chief Trophy. Well, yeah, they're not. They, uh, yeah, they're not. Sorry. Think it, think it for a moment here. Here's the thing. This first drive by Army did, like I said, was the most Army-ish drive you can imagine. They went down the field. Driving as you do, which you know what that means, folks. Fullback dive, option to the side, option left, hand off of the middle. They went seven, well, 21 plays, 12 minutes and 55 seconds. However, the technical, the technicality of the drive length was over 100 yards, 120 rushing yards, or not rushing yards, excuse me, total yards on that play or on the drive because there were two 15-yard penalties that got pushed back. So not only Army go 100 yards, they went te- the entire the entirety of the football field from goalpost to goalpost to get a touchdown. So there were only two drives in that first half, first quarter. One for Army, and then Air Force went uh, five yards, had to punt the ball to uh, basically end the first quarter. They had one play, well, two plays actually. But one thing in this game where it could have been too little too late for Troy Calhoun. They, he, head coach started with Isaiah Sanders, who did didn't move the ball that well, like I said. He had to punt his first his first two drives were punt. And then he only had his thing, like end of the half they had three total possessions, two punts and a, an interception. So that an interception was kind of a, a tough one because they're down 14-0. They're actually driving the ball down the field. Sanders running for seven yards here, two yards here, competes a nice pass down the field to his uh as a surname uh, companion Gerard Sanders for a nice nineteen yarder. But then had to pick, which was unfortunate when they are in field goal range. Calhoun goes with the switch. He brings in Donald Hammond III, who we talked about during the week. Well, maybe he's healthy, maybe he's not. Apparently he's healthy enough, healthy enough to play. He, he didn't lead a first drive score. Didn't leave a second drive score. They went forward on fourth and ten. It's a weird spot to feel like watching this game. Like, all right, they're sitting at the 31-yard line army. They did not move the ball a single yard on this, on this particular set of downs. So they go run, then they go pass, pass, pass. 
But it's weird. You go, I get it. You're fourth and ten. You're at the thirty-one yard line. You're not going to kick a forty-eight yard field goal. I think the wind is kind of picking up in this game too. But if you know third and ten, you might go to them fourth and ten. Why not run and get you like fourth and six? It was just odd. Then that gives you a better chance to go for it. But then things get interesting. Air Force defense, which did really good. If you think about it, after those, in the second half, they forced a couple punts and a field goal. There just weren't enough possessions. By the time Sanders, excuse me, not Sanders, but Hammond could get the ball, he was throwing crossing routes, finding guys open, moving the ball, passing the ball down the field, getting short passes, setting things up. Uber accurate, 17-6, 17-14. During this game, they forced a punt. It's like, all right, they got this. They're coming back. Oh, then they fail at the end. Or they had six plays. Fourth and three, they go for a weird run play that didn't quite get it. And it's like Air Force, they again, I think it comes down to like that last drive, he had a nice long pass again to Sanders, nineteen yarder, couple good runs by Fagan, but the running game was the worst running attack all year for Air Force. They only had hundred and twenty five yards, which is about half their average. Like Fagan, their fullback, only had thirty seven yards. They and what is key in these games when you play with the Army Air Force type games. If you can hold limit teams to big plays, you're probably going to win. Air Force's longest run plays by Hammond. So that means throughout the first half, they didn't have this. This came sometime in the second half. 11-yard run was the longest run of the day. Well, Air Force defense did pretty good. The only one issue they gave um, running back Darnell Work for a nice 52-yard run. He had he had 117 of the day. And here's the thing about, about Wolfolk. He, or sorry, I was looking at one working. I was going to say something silly. I'm going to pause and not say that because, hey, I don't want to be dumb. But Air Force um, gave up too many fourth downs. Like Army, they are, if I'm correct, I've read the stats somewhere, I think 20 to 30 on fourth downs. They are 3 for 3 on this game, 8 and 16 on third downs. That was a big key. That's how they kept that first drive going. They are getting first down after first down after first down when they're on third down situations. Like on that first drive, they converted 2, 3, 4, Five, four third downs and a fourth down on that first drive alone. And so Air Force defense wasn't up to the snuff in the first half. Maybe they start him and they win because he can pass the ball a bit better. But what this loss does for Air Force, well, first off, they're going for him and the rest of the way. If he's healthy, he's going 7 to 15 for 120. They only had two TFLs as well. Look at the defensive side. Like, that's not like Army's defense was that great either in TFLs for stopping behind the scrimmage. They're just stopping yards. They're allowing two or three yard runs, five yard runs. That's it. So, what this does for Air Force going forward, again, we're going to kind of blast through these games, is they're now three and six. They still have a chance for a bowl game. They have New Mexico at Wyoming host CSU. So, those are all possible winnable games. They can likely get in with five if there's not enough teams because of our APR. Because, you know, but. Ooh. That is an unfortunate yawn. I'm going by myself here. Um, APR wise, they can get in at five wins if that's if there's a spot open. So there's that to look for. But tough break. They lose 17 14. Next game. Okay. We need to apologize again, or at least me. Wyoming's running attack is uh, really, 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 really good. So they rushed for four. Okay. Spartan's defense isn't great. 24 9 Wyoming victory. All, all I'm really going to say in this game is that. Wyoming rushed for 424 yards on 64 carries. Nico Evans, again, proves to be the best back in the conference. I apologize. He did not make our midseason all-conference team. That was an error on our part. He has had all but two games with 100-plus yards. Sat out two games. Still leads the, league in conf- leads the conference in rushing. And had averaged uh, 5.5 yards a carry. Over 5.5 yards per carry. Which was a dip from last week versus Colorado State. 
So not only Nico Evans ran the ball well, but so did Sean Chambers. Yeah, he only threw four of eight, but he also had 129 yards. Heck, even he had guys like uh, Bigelow, Javon Bigelow, freshman, have a nice 29-yarder, end up with 60, uh, excuse me, 58 yards. But Wyoming defense does it again. They, outside of T Nevins, um, excuse me, Tyler Nevins, getting about 70 in the game, this game was never really that close because Josh Love, only threw through 173, had fewer than 50% completion rate. But looking at what happened in this game, like San Jose State had 12 third downs, only converted three of them. They could not get the ball, and they, they could not move when they needed to. And also, here's the thing, too. Wyoming went 24-9, and they were minus two in their turnover margin. So San Jose State had plus two in the turnover margin, still only put up nine points with um, a field goal and a touchdown. That's all they had. Like, but this game wasn't close. It was 3-0, 10-0, It was 10-3. Okay, they got a little close. The like, second half was a chance for San Jose State. To, San Jose State to get back into this. They get the ball, kick a field goal, great. Wyoming response to the touchdown, obviously not great. So it's 17-3. They punt. Then Wyoming, it's like, all right, we're up 17-3. We're gonna put the th put the third down, or not the third down, put the put put the put on the throat. Fourth and one. They decide to go for it. They get stopped. All right, so San Jose State has a chance. Down 17-3. to They do the exact same thing Wyoming does. They go all the way down to the 18-yard line of Wyoming. Instead of kicking a field goal, because really, what would it do if it's 17-6? to Not much. They go for it. They go for it. Don't get it. And now, they get another chance. A fumble. Then they score a touchdown, 17-9. But it was, it was the end of the game. It was basically the first half was a mess where they, like, the drive chart, this game, if you watch this, I, I commend you. I watched some of it, watched some condensed highlights, but you had San Jose State punt possession first. Punt, punt, punt. They punted every possession in the first half, and only one was more than three three plays. And so Spartans, who this was Matt's upset pick of the week. We do our stupid upset picks. He was going Spartans, but Wyoming is, okay, I was going to say they're looking really good. Well, they did. They ran the ball well. They stopped. They did what they were supposed to do. Scored enough against a bad defensive team to go 24-9. They've won two in a row. They have a bye week. They're four and six. Meaning, my call of them, no way they're winning the final four games, could be a reality of them winning the final four games. They're um, a, sm a small minor um, underdog to Air Force and FPI, like 46%, I believe. A slight favorite over UNM on the road. So they could be bowl eligible in two wins if they win two more games. Then go six and six, go to the bowl game, which would... Kind of put a more people thought they would at the beginning of the year, maybe a step back, but six and six. Chambers looks to be the real do it quarterback because he could run. He's not the passing guy that Josh Allen or others were in the past, but he's a guy who, if they need him throwing the ball, but basically, if you're playing well, I mean, dude, just run the ball. Come on. Like, seriously, they could. I'm going to say it right now, they're going to get to six wins. I'll be that guy and say, hey, congratulations, Cowboys. Six wins are coming for you. All right. I know I'm speeding here. Whew, man. My throat is crushing me here. That's why I'm talking fast as well to get through this to give people what they want. <clears throat> After those two games, you had a long, nice break of what to do, what game to watch, what to do, what to do. We'll start with San Diego State at New Mexico. All right, so um, Aztec fans, we've got to talk here. Can we talk to you and me, San Diego State fans? You win 31-23. Good victory. This game, this offense did not do anything until the fourth quarter. Really, the second half. The first half, they, um, well, I won't say they were bad. They had a lot of, I don't want to say, okay, let me rephrase that. You had a, bad, a, a lot of bad luck. You were minus, you had three turnovers, minus two. So here's a couple of issues. You gave New Mexico a really good field position. You had the fumble return for touchdown. 
you had a, another fumble that was deep in their own territory or that led to a field, but led to points. New Mexico scored uh, all 17, or excuse me, yeah, 17 points off turnovers. So, and then another one, if you, I, I wouldn't count a turnover, but a three, three and out touchdown. So Lobos did all they could win this game. New, new QB Col- Colton Gerhardt in there. He came out and played, played well enough. And, Aztecs kind of shot themselves in the foot because of two things. Well, give credit to Lobos for making plays, but the position of the field of where those plays were at is why New Mexico did their thing, able to keep close to this game. Colt Gerhardt didn't do very good passing. 9 of 20 for 41 yards. Rushing game was non-existent for New Mexico at all. They only had 100 yards. Like, no joke, we t- we did our preview. We talked about this game. Davion the Vigilant, never heard of him. Well, to be considered a serious type of player in this game had 45 yards. That was their leading rusher. So Lobos were given chances because of field position, which, heck, you get the ball where you get the ball. And they nearly won the game. The one interception Gerhardt had was an interception late in the game, fourth quarter, they're trying to drive. It's a... Um, what's the start? I'm trying to look at the score here as I'm babbling. Dirt. It's a 31-23. Um... Excuse me, 24-23, not 31-23. 24-23 that they're leading by one. Aztecs kick a field goal to get the lead. Then first play, interception, 24-23. Then you think, okay, Aztecs, I even put on Twitter, game over. And people are like, it's not over. It's only an eight-point game because Juan Washington, who was coming back from injury, played sparingly in this game, had one play 50 yards. It's one of those things where there's like two minutes left, if that, in a game. Maybe kneel the ball a couple times to force San Diego State, or excuse me, New Mexico to use their timeouts. So it's like, well, he gets a 50-yarder, which he ended up having 95 and two scores on the day, which is amazing for him coming back from injury, as did Christian Chapman played a bit, who looked really good with uh, 182 yards. But this game, like, man, I'm wondering, like, Aztecs won 31-23, but they're not looking that good. Like, yes, a lot of it was down to circumstance and where the ball came out, but... Aztecs are getting – they're 7-2, can't take that away at all. They're getting points in the polls, and they've been skating by the past month. They've had – that's another one-position game here, eight points, where they are only able to win by that that amount. So, if they're all healthy, if Jasmine's healthy – excuse me, Washington's healthy, if uh, Chapman's healthy, who looked really good, they have a couple games left in the year where they're, they're still in the – here's the thing. Think about it, folks. They beat Fresno State. They went out. They could they still win the conference – Division, or excuse me, the Western Division title. They have UNLV um, in two weeks, or excuse me, next week on the 10th. It should be fine because UNLV, UNLVs look terrible. Then they go to Fresno and then host Hawaii, who's looked bad too. So for the past month where they've just been okay, like winning, like every game they won, this is an interesting fact. After week two, where they lost to Stanford week one, beat Sac State 28-14, every single game has been a one-possession game, eight points or less. So they're testing that route, which is good. So they'll they'll probably end next week versus UNLV because they'll just kind of do their thing. And Chapman's more another week healthy. Washington looks healthy. They'll be fine. Fresno State game could be quite interesting just because at full strength, Aztecs are good, really good. So they made it through this point. But this game, they just given the ball up too many times. That's uncharacteristic of them to cough up the ball that many times. Defense not build them out, but made a huge, huge play for the win. Defense played amazing, if you think about it. For the short field they had, they didn't give them that many yards. Like, they had six sacks on there. Are you kidding me? Like, one guy who we maybe overlooked a little bit as well in the uh, midseason awards, or at least me and our voters, 
Kaiva Tezino had probably the game of the year almost. 12 tackles. Cool. 12 tackles. Awesome. Two and a half sacks, three and a half TFLs. He was all over the place. And at this point, could be considered defensive player of the year, at least the top four guy. First team almost assured at this point. Hey, got to give credit to the Lobos defense as well. They also had a couple TFLs, five a trio sacks on the combined quarterback play. But overall, I'd give credit to both teams. New Mexico, when they got the ball, they scored off turnovers, which is great. Passing game was terrible, Gerhardt. Aztecs, yeah, you're my, you lose the turnover battle. You battle back again because your defense gets interception late in the game. You get you attack the quarterback, attack the running game. They did well enough. Next week they're healthy. Who? I I'm gonna say like I said, their streak of one possession victories or games are gonna be over. And I my early prediction like a twenty plus point victory over UNLV if that it might be more. Next game, let's go to Fresno UNLV. One of the funniest lines in that game it was forty eight three for Fresno State, <clears throat> forty eight to three. And when you look at this game, one of the funniest lines I saw was in the was it Las Vegas Sun, I want to say? Las, yeah, Las Vegas Sun, where they actually said in print by somebody who gets paid a lot more than me that's babble about football, this game was closer than the final score indicated. It was 48-3, to three, folks. Here's the thing. I sort of agree with them. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why. This was a dominant win. It was just a sleeper chokehold where Fresno State, touchdown, okay, punt, 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 touchdown, okay. Oh, sorry, interception. Oh, it's just going to fill a goal. They were winning. Like, they were dom- Like don't, don't count me. Don't say I'm not saying this, but they were dominating this game. It was just a slow burn to a, a – you knew – here, it's like an example. You, you knew the injury or death was coming, but it's going to take 25 minutes to get there, two hours to get there. It's like we know – it's like – okay, better example. We know we're running out of gas. It just depends when. You're on the freeway. You saw the sign, next rest stop, next – no services for 75 miles. Your gas light comes on. It's like, oh, crap. What are we going to do? But they keep going and going and going and get close enough. But like, oh, we made it close. We we're just eight. We we're just so it just it didn't work out. This was like that where they did. Fresno just kind of did. Maybe that's a bad example too. I'm I'm terrible at analogies apparently. But my point is, it was just a slow march to victory. You had interceptions that were turnover for points on UNLV, um, where Fresno scored one play later where they got the ball deep in their own territory or in the Rebels' territory. You had four three-and-outs, multiple three-and-outs by UNLV where they only had five conversions on 18 attempts on third down. This game, like, I watched part of it. It was like, it wasn't boring, but it was like, you knew what was coming. Like, you knew Fresno was going to score a touchdown here. You knew they weren't going to score in every play, but I don't know what the deal is for, let me get to UNLV. I don't know what the deal is with them. They say um, Armani Rogers was healthy, but he didn't play. He was a backup going into the game. Uh, Max Jillian was only had only 98 yards and 14 to 30. So again, UNLV's offense couldn't do anything under him. And Fresno's defense extended their streak of allowing fewer than 30 points, dating back to last year's uh, loss against Washington, the one of the two playoff teams they played in 17. So then they bring in this this fella, um, Keenan Oblad, who was one of five. If Rodgers is healthy, why is he not playing? Maybe it's a blowout. You don't, don't want to get him hurt, but this... Rebels seem just a mess. It's like, I get I said on some radio interview, like, hey, maybe keep Sanchez around for like six years, see what he can do. But 
they're just not competitive. Like this is going back to old UNLV losing, like the score indicated, forty-eight to three. They only they did get to the quarterback a couple times. They got one hurry, a couple TFLs, but they were they couldn't do anything offensively. Like outside of Charles Williams, it looked great. He had a one twenty-one on the ground. There's nothing else they could do, and that was his breakout game of the year. He had more yards in that game than he basically had all year. He only has. 290 on the year, so we had 171, 179 coming into this game. Lexington Thomas, only 40-something yards. But getting back to my first point, like this game, watching what and reading what he said, like he's not wrong that it was closer than indicated, and only because Fresno State didn't get out to, like I guarantee he wouldn't be saying that if it was 28-0 or 35-0 at half, half. It was only 17-0 at half. It was still manageable at the end of the half. But then again, you have... This is where the game essentially was officially over. First um, possession in the first half, touchdown for Fresno State. Interception by UNLV, touchdown for Fresno State. One play later. That was it. 31-0 game was officially over. Up until half, yeah, it was fairly close. But this is just a slow burn and just shows how good Fresno State is. They There's a reason they're ranked in the playoff in the 23rd. We'll get to that at the end of the show, talk, chatting about that. But as for the um, – rankings himself after this week. They move up a lot because they won, clearly, but also because they had teams above them who dropped. So when you look at the rankings overall, they are currently in the AP poll. They're still behind Utah State at 16, which is a nice four-place four jump. They are now 17 in the AP poll. Coaches poll, excuse me. We'll see what the playoff poll comes out to be because they were just the best. And then we did find the one writer or AP writer who did not even vote Utah State or Fresno State, which is... Uh, Kind of uh, weird and not good because <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. It's like even if you don't think they're a top twenty team, you could still say, "Oh yeah, I could see that they are they are good enough to be a team where they would finish uh, 22, 23, even in one loss." But he did not rank them at all. And also the uh, because he had the big game Friday night. That's what we want to focus on when we do our preview next week. You have Fresno State hosting Boise State, which will be. A great game. I'm trying to. Oh, dang it! I'm trying to pull up my good old site. Vegas Insider is not cooperating, but they are saying. Last time I saw it, it was. Um, hmm. It says no matchup available. Date available. That's terrible. But what it was saying earlier was that Boise and Fresno game was only three point favor for Fresno State, which is quite odd. Not odd, I guess. Boise's been playing well, but then again, really quick, a quick uh, tweet here from BJ Reigns who covers the Broncos. We'll get to their game in a minute, but it looks like. Um, Riley Wimpy and Garrett Cullenham have serious injuries, and there could be more players out. So check for that on Monday's press conference over at Boise State. We'll have you covered as well. But, man, um, it's Rebels are bad. Uh, they're bad. But Fresno, hey, good job. I'll go that and say they're great. Um, they just steamrolled them. It was just a slow burn until that first five minutes in third quarter where it's like, all right, it's officially done. So next week's game, here's a Fresno interesting rest of the way. At Boise, host San Diego State, host San Jose State. So, Still a lot of football left, a lot of stuff to do, but Friday night will be amazing. All right, next game. Let's get to um, let's get to the Boise game here. We'll go to Boise State uh, and BYU. This game, man. First of all, the announcers need to cool their freaking jets over their love for Zach Wilson. As most people who listen to the show, I do some radio work in, in here in Salt Lake, and I'm now part of the uh, station that radio station that does BYU football games <laughs> that airs their games. So. Yeah, we talked BYU a little bit more just because, heck, we know who's listening. But we know Zach Wilson. He seems to be pretty good. Highly recruited guy. Was going to go to Boise now at BYU. Had, beat Hawaii. Um, came in late for Utah State. 
struggle versus NIU. We knew he's probably pretty good. Defense leads this boy BYU team, clearly. These announcers were calling him like the next coming to Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy G together. I'm like, what are you talking about, guys? He looked pretty good, 18 and 27 for 252. And he has to do this because the running game's terrible for BYU. Matt Halley had a pretty good run. Zach Wilson could run well himself, but man, they're like drooling over him like he's freaking Joe Montana times Tom Brady plus Joe Namath. Um, add in any other quarterback ever, Troy Aikman. Geez, he was there basically saying he's like the he should be he's better than Tua and, and Bama. It's like, come on, cool down. He did all right. If we go in reverse order of this game, this game in Boise, who they nearly had this game lost. They end the game. BYU makes it 21-16. They punt because Boise, actually, I mean, let me back up a little bit more. This game looked to be over at 21-13. In a drive that was Army-esque, triple option-esque, 16 plays, 79 yards, 8 minutes. Boise just does a chokehold over BYU and gets a touchdown, 21-13. Three plays later, BYU fumbles. Like, oh, this is it. This is going to be over. Because, heck, big, big man on campus, Tyler Horton, had a huge game with a fumble recovery. So, Boise has the ball again. All right, we're going to score. We're going down the field. They march, 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 march. Chris Berman, march, march. We're going to go down the field. Pass the ball. Ripping, finding Richardson for nine yards. Madison, two yards here. Madison, six yards here. Mahomes gets in for four yards run. Whew. Haven't seen him in a while. Back-to-back plays for him. Catch and pass. Or, excuse me, catch and run. Fourth and 11. This is weird. It's, okay, this last position is weird. First and 10, they throw the ball. Not a big deal. Incomplete. Broken up. Second down, pass the ball. Again, you're winning. Why pass the ball? Third down. Sacked by Corbin Kafusi. Fourth and 11 at a 34-yard line. I don't disagree with the call, but it was still weird to do a do a play on fourth, 11, 34, because it's a 51-yard field goal. Either go for the end zone or do like a pooch punt and maybe kick it, have Rip and kick it himself. That was odd. So it didn't hurt him too much because BYU had a long drive for a field goal. But then the last drive where BYU had the chance, like, Boy, or see, Boise had chances to move the ball. They didn't do anything. They have to punt against. Like, okay, great. All right. End of the game. Like, B- Boise's defense came big, but BYU's offense, like, cool, this makes the plays. BYU starts the ball at their own 17 yard line. There's like two minutes left. Matt Hadley catches a pass that goes for 59 yards, goes all the way down, rushes down the field. Amazing play. Couple more yards. You get to Dylan Colley. Like, they are moving the ball well enough. Okay. Then clock. You hear the background. Tick, 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 tick. The clock. Back of the head. They're not using timeouts. They're trying to spike the ball, down the ball, clock it. Okay. They call a timeout. Perfect. Oh, not perfect, but that's the smart move. First and goal to two. He throws a weird, the weirdest pass ever. But he tries to... Wilson runs the ball twice. On fourth and two, he gets it, which worked great. On second and goal, end of the game, essentially, seven seconds left. He They tried the exact same play. Like, it was a mixed mash of giving the run option, but it wasn't a rollout to give him more space. It was more of a pull back, look, and be open, nobody open, then just run up the middle. BYU's offense couldn't get the play done, and Boise's defense snuffed it out, and it was sacked by uh, Tyson Mavea. So this game, well, it shouldn't have been this close because BYU's not that good. They are very good defensively, but offense, they were they couldn't get anything. They can normally not get much done, but look at what Boise did. Like, ripping. Was not bad. 23-35 for 214. Madison had no big runs. Only had 89 yards, a couple touchdowns. Like, they had decent plays on offense, but they just couldn't get it done. Like, they only scored 
the three touchdowns. You know what I mean? They should have had, they had more chances, but got to give credit to BYU defense who, when they played Utah State, couldn't get it done. They did. The, they stopped it versus Hawaii last week or a couple weeks ago. They stopped them to get the victory, but like there shouldn't be too much concern of this Boise team. Part of it's a rivalry. They always play BYU close at home, and again, this is probably. This could be the best defense Boise State faces until they go up against Fresno. Well, I guess no, sorry. San Diego State, excuse me. Apologies up front right now. That's not the case. Second best defense they've played all year. And so, <clears throat> play, going up against this BYU team, it's like, I get it. It's a rivalry game. They just, there are situations in the game where it's like, what are they doing? Like, when it was 14-0, I figured this game's a blowout. It's going to be on like a 38-2 victory, 38-3 victory. Then here comes the thing. Missed field goal. BYU gets their field goal. Interception. Like they had, a, they had a string of plays that didn't go well for them and extended into the second half where the fumble that led to a touchdown was a big deal. That was part of it in this game, what happened. But they get the victory. They're banged up a little bit. Well, Boise has the rest of the way. We, we mentioned this. Like we'll start getting, well, I got Hawaii, Utah State in a second. But they get Fresno next week and then Utah State. So they have a chance to play two ranked teams. If they finish, if they win out, they they get in the Mount West title game. Um, probably depending what happens, who knows if they host or not, but they're in if they win out. But it'll be tough. They got Fresno State, they got USU. New Mexico's tricky, but not really because of what they've been changing a bit the way they play. But they got to play. If they're going to be, here's the thing if they're going to beat Fresno State, they got to play better than that because Fresno has an offense and a defense. Boys, BYU just has a defense. Offense showed sparks, but not great. So. You get to win, so we'll see what happens next week. But the final game of the day, if you stayed up late and had two, so many Utah, I live in Utah, so many Utah State fans complaining, media people, why is this game on an app? I can't get it on TV. 56-17. Also, this is the most unique box score ever. 28-0, 28-0 was what Utah State did. And the one big scare about this game was that Jordan Love did leave the game late in the second half, or second quarter, excuse me. Apparent concussion. Seems to be okay. He's on the sideline laughing and having a good time when they're up at the half 28-0. Did not return. But this offense, like, Darwin Thompson could not be tackled. Like, he was pushing guys around. Like, he was stiff-arming, pushing. Not, I don't want to say karate chop or karate kick, but that's the case. But he did not do anything. That's illegal. Those are penalties. He had 141 yards, three touchdowns. Like, this is the best running attack I've seen Utah State do. I think they mentioned since they had uh, Robert Turbin and um, – Robert Smith, I think it's their name, Robert Smith and Turbin in the backfield. 426, seven touches on the ground. They were amazing. Jordan Love ended up having two overall, despite not playing more than half one passing, one rushing. But Hawaii's rush defense could not stop this at all. Hawaii, excuse me, Utah State is normally known to pass a lot, did not pass very much because they just ran and ran and ran and ran. What else? What else do you do? Why pass the ball? There was no reason to do so. Utah State was 8 of 14 on third downs. Utah State's defense, Tech. Cole McDonald got benched again for Jeremy Musua. Or Masa. Yeah, Musa. Partly because you're down big, put it back up in there. He was 18 of 45, which is not good. Yeah, 331 yards, a couple of TDs, but he was not efficient. Two picks. Running game was non existent, and that's been their big issue for Hawaii, we've been saying. When they can't run the ball, they're not very good. They only had 43 yards. And the Utah State defense, man, they had three TFLs, three sacks, a couple of QB hurries. They were getting disrupted. Disrupt it in the backfield all day long. But all that matters is that Utah State keeps running and running and cruising to a victory. And Hawaii, they need just one more. One more victory. That's all they need. One more. 
to be bowl eligible. They're now six and five. They have lost one, two, three, four, five in a row. Relief could be in sight when they play UNLV at home in two weeks. If they don't beat UNLV, they may not be bowling. That'd be so unfortunate because Hawaii's been fun to watch. Even though they didn't do that great versus Utah State, the game was fun to watch mostly because of the Aggie side winning fifty six to seventeen. But one thing to note is kind of good that backup Henry Colombi, freshman, came into play. Didn't do too much. Just handed the ball flop, but he did go 9 of 11 for 48 yards. Also ran it three times for 34th long and 25. So he's getting some much needed experience, which he has been for a while because he's been playing backup role for a while. In the second half, Utah State's been benching Jordan Love because they're winning big. And Utah State is sitting at 8-1. They have San Jose State next week. will be 9-1 at CSU, 10-1. Big game. All they got to worry about is focus on Boise State. Get 11-1, man. That's all you got to do. If you're going to beat them and get into a big money bowl game, that's your chance. Beat them and go out. Here's the thing. Let's get to the brinkings real quick in polls. Utah State. I mentioned one dummy who didn't put Utah State or Fresno in the polls. Utah State is now a 14th ranked team, according to the AP. Top ranking by them since they were number 10, I think, in the 60s. They are now, with UCF dropping two spots. I know it's not the same poll as the playoff poll, which matters to the most, but they're now more closely aligned to where the difference. Now, is Utah State the 14th best team? Not so sure about that. When a lot of teams lose, that helps them out to move up. Like with UCF, they're moving up. UCF winning, they beat Temple closely, dropped two spots. They're leapfrogged by West Virginia and dropped behind Washington State. So I guess kind of leapfrogged <laughs> just because they um, didn't, they didn't, yeah, whatever. Washington State won, didn't move up. So as for this weekend, I'm not sure how to play out, but here's how it is now with Houston losing a game. USF, um, did they lose again, I think, honestly? But Houston lost, yeah, USF lost a freaking Tulane by quite a bit. So what it comes down to for the big money bowl game, Houston, okay, there can be teams technically in the mix, but here's what, it, the simplest way is that Utah State was not ranked in the last playoff poll. UCF was ranked in the last playoff poll, for initial playoff poll. And that put them at, um, what was it, 16? No, they were 12, weren't they? Yeah, they were 12 in the playoff pool. I don't know where they'll be if they'll move up or move down. It'll be interesting, interesting to see with how results happen. But if Utah State's not ranked, something's wrong with the system. Fresno State should be moved up anyways. But here's the thing. All it comes down to, really, is UCF cannot win the conference at this, at this moment in time. If they lose... They might need to lose twice, I'm thinking. Whether it be be a two-win American champion to get to the big money bowl game. Because if they're 16, or 12, excuse me, say they drop down to 17, I don't know what the, if they lose. I'm just hypothetical. But I want to see the next this next poll be very interesting to see. Because Fresno should move up. They should be top 20 team. Utah State better be ranked somewhere. And UCF will be about 12. A UCF loss may not drop them behind either team. It's particularly Utah State, because Utah State's schedule is not good until they play Boise. So I know I'm going in and out about a lot of what ifs could happen, but simple answer is UCF doesn't win the American title. They have Navy this week, which is interesting. Since he's pretty good and at UCF, so end of, end of season difficult. So um, the end of season on a difficult schedule playing those couple of teams. So what it could mean is they still went out. They might be top 10 team and then lose in the playoff where it could be a, I think they could rematch USF. No, USF in the same division. So they could play Houston, which would be interesting. And I wonder if Atlas Houston could be in the mix just because they beat a top 10 UCF. 
I don't know how I don't know how to play that, but the way the rankings are, what we know at this time, is the pecking order is it's going to be UCF undefeated. Clearly, they're in no matter what. One loss UCF gets tricky, especially if it's a conference champ, which could still happen easily. But I'm thinking if because Fresno plays Boise, who's going to be a 10 win team, they play Utah State possibly to be ranked team. There's chances for here's the thing. Mountain West at this point has more chances to, at least in this time, has more chances to play their best team to play a ranked team compared to UCF. Because Houston, in the current poll, they are getting, because San Diego State's getting points, Boise's getting points. Houston is getting very few points, not very many. And South Florida is completely toast. So, for the American sake, they want Houston to keep winning and have them face UCF. And maybe Houston will be ranked or close to ranked at the end of the year, which will give UCF another quality win. Oh, I should say, sorry, Cincinnati's ranked as well in the AP poll. I was looking at the coaches exclusively earlier, and 23rd in the coaches' poll. So there is a chance they could be ranked this week, so it does give them one more opportunity. But, And that's a team that would come to mix, too. I'm thinking, here's my pecking order right now. I'll kind of keep it quick and simple. Undefeated UCF clearly in there. If UCF loses, I'm inclined to say, let's say this. I know this is kind of getting out there, but... Let's say Cincinnati wins the American with the with the uh, single loss, and they have wins over UCF and probably a pretty good ten win Houston team. They might actually jump Fresno or, State, or Utah State compared to the polls. Might because, like I say, it's a. Let's just, I don't I, I don't want to go too deep, but you're beating the number twelve team in the country. That's gonna give them a lot of cachet and jump up big. So, I would say like it's unfortunate for me to say, it, but. It, a Cincinnati one-loss American champ probably could be higher than Fresno or Utah State champion. And then a UCF loss and then UCF champion later is probably still higher. One-loss UCF champ. is probably Because if UCF, let's say they lose to... Heck, let's just say they lose to Cincinnati. What if they... Well, they can't repeat. Never mind. That, that gets my theory outside the window. Never mind. Let's just say... Uh, I can't say. Let's just say. Let's just say. They play each other. So basically, it comes down to whoever wins the American East is probably going to be in the front runner spot with one loss. That's where I'm getting at because South Florida is out. Even if they win out, I don't see them being ranked high enough to beat um, to be ahead of Utah State or Fresno State. So they're not. I don't think they're going to be considered at all if we're keeping scenarios realistically. However, well, I, I guess I have to keep bringing this up one more time. They do play Cincy and UCF. So let me back up one more time here. Sorry, folks. South, South Florida wins out. Yeah, they have two losses. They'll be a number, a highly ranked UCF team and a rank, probably ranked Cincy team, really good team. That could be enough, but I would still like to be inclined that one loss Fresno and Utah State would be ahead of them. So a one loss UC, Fresno and Utah State will be ahead of a two loss USF champ. A Here's where it gets interesting. A one loss Cincinnati champ, that might be, that'll be super close. I That'd be like a tiebreaker. I can't really say right now. I would have to say they might get the slight edge over Fresno and Utah State, but I don't like it at all. Just the way the computers have, and like the American apparently more than the Mountain West by quite a bit. They beat UCF, who's 12, maybe even 10 soon. That's a huge win. That's the best win no Mountain West team can match. So Fresno, I don't know. If I'm picking between Fresno and Utah State right now, I'd have to say Fresno State because they're ranked higher. So if Fresno wins out, they'd give them a win over Boise State and give them a win over Utah State that's probably ranked. So... I guess I have to go a undefeated UCF clearly. A one I would still say a one loss UCF gets in, champ, if they only lose to Navy. 
then they'd still be high enough to be the pretty good Cincy team and whoever else they face. So I'd probably go undefeated UCF champ, one loss UCF champ. I would go one loss Fresno champ, one loss Cincy champ, and then one loss Utah State champ. That's kind of my picking order right now. So that's that's what I'm doing. That's where I'm going with folks. Sorry for that long roundabout and kind of a speed dating type podcast. As this is only 40 minutes, and I spent probably a third of that on these rankings at the end. So sorry if my voice is going out as well. I've been doing basketball podcast chatting all day. So I appreciate everyone for listening. Matt Kennerly will be back with me next week because I know people enjoy what he brings as well and hopefully enjoy what I bring on the solo show. Because, hey, going solo, not kidding, not easy, kind of difficult. Or very difficult, I'll say it time to time. But check us out, mwwire.com. That's our website. Everything you want to know, MWC Wire. We appreciate everybody joining our site, checking it out, reading, downloading, tweeting, complaints, comments, concerns. We love it because you guys are awesome. Getting a ton of feedback from everybody, ton of visitors. So keep it coming. Basketball season's here as well. We've got a bunch of basketball podcasts out, a bunch of basketball previews. And we'll see you next time, folks. Oh, before I say, hey, you made it this far. I tune in, Stitcher, you know the drill. Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, you know where to get us. Apple Podcasts, come on, folks. Find us and download and tell a friend. Until next time, folks, we'll see you next week.